0: And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davidson and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltry. We got the three-person pod going on. Guys, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Happy to be back. Went a
1: little bit MIA, got a chance to hear you guys a little bit. Talk about, do some division breakdown, but I'm excited to be back on.
2: Yep, yeah, it's time to talk about... Uh, the teams that two of us uh, are fans of, we already did my team in the southeastern division and now we're ti- I st- it's my turn to get back at Richard especially for <laughs> um, tr- 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 trashing my division. but unfortunately uh, fortunately for you guys or maybe unfortunately this division is like kind of respectable, especially when we start at the top.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean unfortunately for us, I mean the Milwaukee Bucks are just uh, you know keeping our division uh, extremely afloat. Um, I mean, the Pacers, we, we can't, we can't sleep on them either, but let's go ahead and start up at the top with the Milwaukee Bucks 60 win team last year, guys, 16 and 22. They added Robin Lopez to, uh, Brooke Lopez, who they resigned added Wesley Matthews to attempt to fill the void that was left by one Malcolm Brogdon. Brought in Fa- Frank Mason, the third also brought in John Lewis contract, but not John Lewis. They cut him. Like like with the quickness. So uh, <laughs> th- that was what they did as far as new people. Uh, they did re-sign George Hill. Uh, they also re-signed for the max that Chris Milton could make. They brought him in. We already talked about Brooke Lopez. And also to appease Giannis, they brought in uh, his, or they re-signed one of his brothers, uh, Thanasis. Did, did I pronounce that correctly? Sure. Nobody knows. We're okay. going with it. Cool. Let's roll with it. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Also, we sh- it should be mentioned that last year they extended Eric Bledsoe, which is now going to be taking in taking effect now, a poor decision that I said at the time. We all kind of did. The draft, uh, Ethan. Talk about the draft for more
2: oh. with them. Oh, they only have one rookie. They didn't draft this guy, but it's Luke May of <laughs> college basketball lore. I am so proud of the Bucks for branching out, taking a play out of the Pacers' playbook,
1: and drafting
2: drafting a white that's too too short to play the position he did in college, and not athletic enough to play the position his height would require him. But you know what? He's got a nice little jumper, and I guess like in a theoretical world, if there's a player you can play. Next, like the best player in the world Luke May could play next to in like a a four, three combination or a four five combination is Jonathan Santa Tacumbo. So maybe there is a rollout here for him, similar to what John Lure did when he was a good player. I shoot a little bit. I just get in the way, flop a little bit here and there, kind of in the earson of a mode as well. Like if there's anyone that he, Luke May could play next to, it would be Giannis Tacumbo.
0: And uh, did they actually draft him, or was it after the draft coming? Un- no, he it, drafted. He wasn't drafted. He okay, f- fair enough. I just wanted to mention
2: him because he, like, you know, he hit some big shots in college, and it's, oh yeah, he's you know he doesn't look like an NBA player other than just if you look and he's tall.
0: Yep. Uh, other losses in addition to Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Nikola Mirotic, uh, he just dipped and went uh, uh, out of the country. That's fine. That's
2: okay. Coincidence that Andrew Luck retired and Nikola Mirotic went back to Europe. Is that a coincidence or not? <laughs> are,
0: we, are we saying they're the same person? Apparently, I don't know. I have possibly, you know, I have, possibly. I have I have, I have, I have no, no, uh, no take on that. But uh, Tony Snell, the, um, the phenomenal Tony Snell, who is a great basketball player. Uh, so, just saying that right now. <laughs> the over under for these guys, 58 wins. So, you can see the Malcolm Brogdon uh knock that two wins pushing those down. Um do we think that that's reasonable? I know this is not our over unders podcast, but like do you think it's that they that it should be bumped down a couple of wins?
1: Uh, I'm at the I'm at the the school of I saw Ethan shake his head. I think it's reasonable that it should be bumped down a little bit. I'm still kind of... I'm feeling a little bit uneasy with the Malcolm Brogdon thing. I'm trying to move myself from bias as far as the Pacers getting Malcolm Brogdon. That's one thing I'm trying to do right now. But I'm trying to think who's going to take those minutes because I felt as though down the stretch in important games. When he was healthy, I will put it there, Malcolm Brogdon was an important piece. But this Bucks team, at the same time, does look like it's built for the regular season. I mean, this is the type of team that can just reel off wins when no one wants to really play. They're just like going to reel them off. But I think 58 is fair.
2: Yeah, it's, I think they are likely to duplicate what they did last season. When I go and like kind of look at the stats, I don't see any numbers that are like particularly, there's no way those things repeat. Obviously you do lose Brogdon, but the, the fact that Giannis is likely to still get better and without a, you know, a series type of setup to where you can really game plan on, this is how we stop Giannis. It's really hard to you're basically counting on him having an off game. And with the athleticism, like his ability to dribble, his, his his improved ability to shoot which he showed in the last series he played in last year. Like I just personally think things are going to get better for this team. Like this team shot like a lot of threes. They were second in the league in three-point attempts, but they only shot league average in terms of percentage. So, like, that could go up, and they could still shoot a lot. Like, it could still carry. They could go down, obviously, too. But, like, I don't think this team's going to shoot worse than 35% from three. Like, there's there's areas that can, can improve. Their defense is set up for success regular season-wise. He plays a very conservative, drop-big uh, program. Like, it's just this team's not going to get worse the regular season. Brogdon might change how they close games in the playoffs. But in the regular season, I have all the faith in the world that Bud system and Giannis will root will
0: run run the show. So, like, are they going to be starting the, the the new edition of Wesley Matthews? Are they going to be starting, um, you know, young guy Dante Divincenzo? Is it going to be uh, Pat Connaughton or Sterling Brown? Who, who do you, I, mean, I don't know? I don't know if it matters, but I just, I'm curious. Who do you guys think? Is, I I would bet
2: Wes Matthews starts, and the definitely. reason I
0: the reason I say that is similarly to when
2: he signed with the Pacers last year, he, I believe took a little bit of a discount on what he could have gotten somewhere else because he's going to start. And just like when he went to the Pacers, instead of going to a team that was probably more likely to go deep into the playoffs last season, he signed with the Pacers because he wanted a starting spot that was, you know, vacated by Victor Oladipo's injury. I think very similarly, Wesley Matthews went to the bucks to take that starting job that Brogdon gave up.
0: Okay. All right. So, uh, with that, that, that's the Bucks. I, I think, you know, it's unreasonable to think that anyone knocks them off their number one spot here. Uh, and really, their only competition at the top of the East would be the Sixers. Um, so, I mean, they're going to be one of the top two teams. And I, I guess we'll just have to see how uh, that Wesley Matthews or Brogdon swap goes. Pacers now, the team that traded for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, they went 48-34 and 34 last year, although a really weird season just because of, you know, the Oladipo injury and, and uh, all that went w- along with that. And then they were surprisingly—they uh, surprisingly stayed afloat and, and played well even after that. Um, but the driving force behind that, um, you know, is now gone. Bojan Bogdanovic is now over in Utah. So— with this, you brought in Brogdon. We brought in Jeremy Lamb as well, traded for TJ Warren in what might be seen as uh, outright theft. Uh, brought in Jakar Sampson and Brian Bowen. Two way guy. He's uh, Ethan, so no, so uh, well noted in the doc. He's the Louisville guy that got Patino ousted. And um, uh, fun fact for the uh, Hero Ball Pod community. I coached against him once back when I was at Andrews Academy, and it it was uh, him and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the squad. We have mentioned that before, and uh, yeah, he was like the guy uh, at that time. Jaron Jackson was kind of like the 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 second guy, but he dunked on us a few times, some some backdoor backdoor screens alley oops. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy. But he has yet to really, ever since getting that whole that whole Louisville situation, he has yet to really find his footing. Uh, but a reasonable guy to take a two way deal on probably will not affect this year that much. Resigned Ed Ed Edmund Sumner. So my guy, yeah, Ethan's happy about that. Um, drafted Goga Batazzi. Uh, so now we have the three big, the really three big rotation. Um, unfortunately they are all centers, but that's okay. Uh, lost Corey Joseph and, uh, his defense and lack of shooting. Um, also, Wesley Matthews, we talked about that. Boyan, probably the biggest loss that we've got, although it could be said Thad Young. It could be Thad Young, uh, considering um, now that they really just don't have a four. Cal um, Quinn, Darren Collison, the, the retiring of him, that was interesting. Um, at the time, I was really sad, but that's not the point. Devon Reed and Tyree Kevins. Tyree Kevins get some help. Um, <laughs> I Wow. I just we we, we we hope we hope all that goes well. That's that's. that's I mean, you
1: that's, had that's you that's gotta say that. I understand. I understand. I understand. We
2: we, we want him to be back. We don't want we do. it to be like OJ Mayo, where it does not seem like he'll be back.
1: When okay, does so. when does his OJ Mayo suspension over?
2: I think I think it's over. I think he just um is not wanted by people in the league.
1: Cause I know it was two years, and then he just pieced out. But
0: back to the Pacers, though. The over under. Forty-seven and a half. and So, so <laughs> in order to hit the over, they would have to replicate their um, win total from last year. How are we feeling about that, guys? Uh, I mean, where's really, this comes up to Victor Oladipo. Elkin, what is the word of the street with Victor Oladipo?
1: Right now, local news media has him returning in late December, early January. But the main issue is, I think you guys have seen it with anyone who returns what injury is he's going to probably need a few months to get back into a game condition because he can't really run, can't really jump. I mean, he can shoot, but he can't do much of anything else. So I think that's the biggest worry that I have right now. I mean, yeah, you're bringing in Malcolm Brogdon. You probably have Jeremy Lamb taking some time, I mean, doing some time at the two, starting at the two, but you don't have the same shot creator ability that you have from one Victor Oladipo. And then I'm kind of interested to see, I mean, who's going to take that Boyan Bogdanovich role. I'll tell you, that. I mean, he was lights out for them. Best shooter on the team last year as far as three-point shooter. And I felt like he was one of the more consistent guys. And, of course, as you brought up, Thaddeus Young, I kind of worry, well, not kind of worry, but I kind of see them saying, T.J. Warren, you're stepping in with this. I'm kind of wary of that 47-and-a-half of that over-under.
0: I don't know. Well, I mean, here's what I see. I see, I see the T.J. Warren kind of stepping into the uh, to the role of uh, Bogdanovich, and you guys apparently it's been noted that you guys are gonna to try to go big. Miles Turner at the five, and then you're just gonna put Sabonis at at the four, which, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't quite love the fit. I don't think really anybody does um but it's what you got to do if you want to play your five best players you have to play with both those guys at the same time and and so I mean we'll see the hope is that Victor Oladipo when he comes back he is just as explosive as he was before but it's that explosion that we're really worried about concerned about Ethan what are your concerns with this
2: yeah, I'm I'm really concerned that without a Victor Depot, there's no real consistent driving force of an offense. Malcolm Brogdon is, I think, best off, you know, a kick out and he makes a decision like Malcolm Brogdon it, it, like and like this is going to sound like a, I'm not complimenting him, but like what Deion Weyers was doing in the 30-11 and uh, run, that's what Malcolm Brogdon does best as well. I catch the ball, the defender's coming out to me, which is now at my advantage, their disadvantage, and I can attack off that very well. I can make an open three. That's what he does best. Does he create f- shots for others particularly well? I mean, not poorly, but also not well. And so with with him, if, he, if he's asked to carry this team for any extended periods, I am worried that this team is not going to be very effective. Now, with that being said, Jeremy Lamb can get his own bucket from time to time. TJ Warren, um, his biggest problem is he's a little bit of a black hole, but he can get his own bucket as well. So, Miles Turner, I'm worried he'll be a little bit just re- uh, relegated to standing at the three-point line and only, not not doing as much pick and roll if, if they're um, playing Sabonis and Turner together because Turner is a superior shooter um, with Sabonis out there with him. I am just worried that this team is kind of getting pulled in too many different directions. If Victor Oladipo isn't, um, the, uh, you know, top, top 10 and MVP voting player we saw a couple years ago.
0: Yes. I mean, it would make me nervous as far as that over, under is concerned. I, I mean, I think they're still going to make the playoffs cause they're just talented enough. Um, unless, unless Oladipo is just really like really not himself. Uh, but I, I think that they'll be fine as far as that is concerned. Um, Anything else you want to talk about, Pacers-related? I mean, Alkin, it's your team.
1: I mean, at at this point,
0: the only other thing that I've been hearing
1: from local media and national media is looking at Sabonis being a possible trade chip for the Pacers. That's the, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I I think if the Pacers had to choose one, kind of how things are going between Miles Turner and Sabonis, I feel like they're they're, they're putting their chips with Miles Turner, and I mean, I believe Sabonis is set for an extension. Is it next summer? Is that is it?
2: Yeah, he's he's extension eligible right now. Yeah.
1: And they're probably going to play out this season if they don't trade him. But at this point, though, I think his stock is probably going to be high. I mean, this is a chance without Victor Lodipo. I know his stats, he's mainly got him through against playing against second units. But I don't want to see him go. But if they're going to trade him, it's going to happen some point this season just please don't trade him to Portland for like a Evan Turner then I'll be highly disappointed
2: well you can't get Evan Turner out of Portland because he oh, plays yeah. for the Hawks
1: yeah that's what I, I was thinking you. of but at this point the rumor that kept going around is the infamous Jalen Brown that the Pacers are going to try to go for Jalen Brown because the Celtics haven't really extended Jalen Brown at this point so it's just Waiting it out and see what happens. I don't know. What do, what do you guys think as far as trades that you would think are feasible or you would like to see for Sabonis? I mean,
0: number one, if they offer that trade to you, I'm taking it. Like, yeah, like, for Jalen Brown, me, yeah, give me give me the wing over yeah. the big man who doesn't fit well with my other big man. Like, do that in a heartbeat. Um, whenever people keep saying that, I keep keep thinking to myself, man, like I understand Boston is, uh, you know, does not have big big guys on their team, especially. Um, young guys who, who they can build around, but goodness, like, don't trade Jalen Brown, like, straight up. I mean, at least get get more things for it. I mean, that would make the most sense, and those guys, because they are in the same draft, their contracts are, are similar, and they're coming up at the same time, and so it would, it would make the most sense, but I mean, you guys, as far as your salary cap situation is concerned, like, the moment you make this decision and extend them, like, you're basically locking yourself in as far as free agency is concerned, like you only have the mid level and you you can only do things through trade. So you got to decide is, is, is Sabonis the route that you'd like to go?
2: I, I still find that the whole drafting of Batadze is, is, is the, the flaw of this, this whole situation. I, I get that he was the most talented player left in the draft by their like determinations, but even with Batadze and Turner like I, I don't foresee a world that those two can ever play together even as well as Sabonis and Turner and so with that in mind like you really put yourself in a situation that you have to get rid of one of them and then obviously it's like Sabonis is the one that's not paid like ext- he hasn't been extended and he's not on a rookie deal so he's the one that has to go but it just seems like you didn't have to put yourself in that situation like maybe there could have been a situation where you could have traded down with like the Celtics who had multiple picks remaining they might have really appreciated in terms of, like the value of a center in at that specific slot, you know, cause they are still kind of looking for a center. And especially now that Al Horford's gone, like they might've, you know, been able to find a, find a deal with Goga that would have worked out even in the moment with, with him backing up Al Horford. But I really like the the destination for Sabonis, if it is the Celtics, because I think him and Al Horford share a lot of similar characteristics. They're, they're beefy. Like the, the, the way they defend is by getting in the way, not by be- meeting you at the rim. And, Sabonis can pass. He can shoot a little bit. Like I could see his career progression kind of mirroring a little bit of an Al Horford. I just don't think he has the complete career upside that Al Horford has shown. But I think, especially with Brad Stevens, like kind of, you know, Micromanaging some things on the court, I think that uh, Sabonis could be very effective in that that type of role for the Celtics. And you know, Jalen Brown, honestly, getting away from that Celtics organization, he might finally take the leap he needs to because if he played with Old Depot, if he played with Brogdon, I'm pretty sure he would slot in very very easily at that three. In terms of like, you know, naming a position and that'd be an incredibly fun little kind of, you know, one, one through three guard rotation with all guys who can handle a little bit, all guys who can get up for some, some good finishes. And also all guys who shoot 36% from three or better. That's what you want out of those positions. Yep. Yep.
1: I agree. Yeah. And at the end of the day for me is with the Pacers, when it comes to like if they're going to probably give Jalen Brown money or some bonus money, they're not really going to attract that many big name free agents. So they're going to have to make moves through trades and doing that. So that's where I look at it at. That's the last thing i got to add about the Pacers.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the Detroit Pistons, who last year were 41-41, 500 squad. Um, Brought in Derek Rose, uh, Markeith Morris, Tim Frazier, Christian Wood and Michael Beasley. We should mention they also have Svi Mikhailuk. Uh, he really didn't play after we traded for him last year, and he. I mean, I think he's probably going to be a part of the rotation, um, this year. He, we kind of assume that he would be. We drafted Seku Dumboya uh, Davidus Servitus, Jordan Bone, and we brought in Lewis King on a two-way deal from Oregon. Ethan, we got to support this man, right?
2: <laughs> That's right. We have to. We have to support him.
0: Just, just wanted to throw that out there for you. We lost Ish Smith, but the Derrick Rose, uh, bringing him in, you know, kind of fills that void. Hopefully, in a in a better way. Uh, losing Jose Calderon seems like a like a gain actually. Um, with how awful he was last year. Wayne Ellington, you know, lost his shooting. Um, now we'll see. We'll see if we can get it from other places. Glenn Robinson the third is probably gonna um, uh, you know, go to Golden State and become an actual player. So that's going to be sad for both Elkin and I and Zaza Pachulia is now over in Golden State as well, except not as a player, but as some sort of consultant or, or something or other. So anyways, there's that the over under guys. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say two things. Glenn Robinson. We don't have to worry about that. He'll
1: just be injured as usual. And Zaza is just going to be their uh, We call it defensive
0: specialists. How uh, helping people with closeouts? Yep. <laughs> helping people hey here's how you close out properly guys and then it'll be (laughs) back. oh Oh, man go ahead over under over under guys is a beautiful 37 and a half i'm just telling you now listeners no i'm not the betting type but go get that go get that over because 37 and a half seems very low that wouldn't you agree ethan
2: I do agree. Now like we talked about a little bit with the Heat over under which was which was higher, considerably higher. Um, cuz I think the Heat are way more of a public team. Um but the Pistons in here are very similarly set up in terms of they have one big driving force offensively and then role players that do surround him pretty well. Now granted the Pistons don't have the sh- like as much shooting as the Heat which is shocking cuz the Heat have been a a shooting uh, d- lacking team for for years now. But um yeah, it's really just depending on Blake Griffin being healthy, just like it would be for Timmy Butler being healthy. And Blake Griffin, with his, his adjusted game where he stays a lot more ground-bound, um, I think, especially with a young guy like Dembuya, who you're going to be trying to get some minutes for here and there, I think his load could be even could be lessened even more. Like, I, I think this guy is going to really manage the regular season well. He's going to get a lot of minutes still, and this team is going to win minimum of 41 games. Like, I, I there's no way this team's not 500 again.
0: That's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, the only way that gets derailed is if Blake Griffin suffers major injury earlier on in the year. And I, you know, we, we don't usually predict injury to someone um, unless they're, again, Chandler Parsons. I always use him as our example there. Uh, but, like, you go in and you've traded out Ish Smith for Derrick Rose. Yes, Derrick Rose has had an issue staying healthy, but so did Ish Smith last year. We bring in... A legitimate third point guard in Tim Frazier who like people don't understand how bad Jose Calderon was last year like he was in his time like a net he has like a net rating on when he was on the four versus when he was off of minus 17. It was bad and in those when Ish Smith was out he was getting he was heavily involved and we had a huge losing streak within that point which I'm directing solely at Jose Calderon. Tim Frazier is not that bad, so we're like, like I look at that and I see, hey, ho- hopefully he can do that. Marquise Morris, hopefully he can get back to where he was before he was injured. If he can, like that's a phenomenal signing. Um, and then we are down to Christian Wood and Michael Beasley, and we'll we'll, we'll see kind of who wins, who wins that uh, training camp battle.
2: Somehow we forgot that I forgot to put Tony Snow on the Tony addition Snow, side. Yes. Um, obviously he left the Milwaukee bucks in the trade, but like, yeah, he's, he's another guy that like, I was I now forgotten about because I did, I forgot to add him on the doc. So that's long a ago. guy who's, that's a guy who's going to be, um, shooting threes for you guys. He and he's just going to stand in the corner and he's going to play passable defense sometimes. Like he's going to be a good addition for this team. Whereas like when you look at uh, wings of the past, Stanley Johnson, yeah, he played really good defense most of the time when he was engaged, but could not shoot, could not create, could not do anything. At least Tony Snell has a track record of being able to shoot. Yeah. So, for
0: the, so the, the past three seasons that Tony Snell has played and he's shot near 40% from the three. Um, and it's like, that's been, we've not had that on our on our squad uh, at least not in this in the starting lineup Uh, you look at however you look at some of the people who are on our squad like you mentioned that he have more shooting they do naturally in the starting lineup because we kind of choose to uh to start bruce brown over luke Kennard for fit purposes which i'm okay with um because we we do need someone who can guard the other team's best uh one or two and so we have bruce brown out there who is not the three-point shooter that he is but here's the thing you look at um, Reggie Jackson, who last year shot 37% from three. Like, people are like, oh, Reggie Jackson can't shoot. He shot six times, like six, six threes a game, shot 37%. He's, it's not Steph Curry. He's not lighting the world on fire. However, he kind of fit and absorbed in the role that he needed to with Blake Griffin now there and had one of his better seasons in, well, I guess since that 15, 16 season. You know, Luke, Luke Kennard had stretches where he was just amazing. He shot nearly 40% from three last year as well, taking about four and a half a game, and I expect him to take more as this year goes on. So we do have the the possibility of having the shooting out there. The problem is that if, if Luke Kennard's out there, then now we're weak defensively, and then it's just uh, an open lane for Andre Drebren at the rim. And so the big issue or gap that we have now is... We have nobody behind Andre Drummond at the center position. Christian Wood, he's he's non-guaranteed. Same with Beasley. So whichever one of those guys is the guy. If it's Beasley, well, we really don't have a backup five. It's then Markeith Morris at that point in time. And while that may, be, well, that may be, might seem fine and dandy, I'm sorry. We are not protecting any rim whatsoever with Markeith Morris. We might not get any boards with Markeith Morris. So we'll have to see kind of how that goes. Christian Wood, a little bit more of a... Backup center, esque type, probably more like a older power forward, but still, that that's probably our biggest weak point. And Andre Drummond has been incredibly durable, but he cannot miss time this year. Otherwise, like it'll be, I believe, similar to when Ish Smith missed time last year, and we just didn't have the bodies.
2: I just want to mention that Mark Eve Morris played potentially the best game of his career, in a game that I was at. Um, Portland versus the Wizards last year. He, he had really close to 30 points, so he might have eclipsed 30 at some other point in his career. But Marquise Morris, when he is healthy, he can play a really versatile role for a team. Like, he can do a lot of the... Uh, like, he can spread the floor pretty well. Like, he was hitting a lot of threes that game, and um, Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless couldn't figure out how to close out in that situation. And he does have the physical size to go up and get boards. It is going to be a, a matter of coaching in this regard to get him engaged on that end. Cause he's, he's not a bad rebounder. He's had stretches of his career where he's been good at it. So I I, I really like him as a, a backup center, especially if you also consider that um, Blake Griffin will play some backup center when you may, maybe you're playing him with Christian Wood and say, could like that's, that's the, where the rebounding um, hopefully can be stabilized.
0: So, so here's what I will say. Um, Blake Griffin, never been a known rebounder. However, he's played also next to, like, all NBA NBA rebounders. (laughs) So, like, there's a little bit of a a reason as to why, perhaps. Um, In in all of this, I seem to have forgotten because I have probably tried to imagine that this situation would never, ever happen. But that Thon Maker might be playing backup center. And yes, no, man, I was like, waiting for that. Like, <laughs> Maker <like>, gets <laughs> so f- like whenever he was in there last year and Drummond was off the floor, even when we had like Zaza in there, man, we just got crushed on the offense. Uh, our, we we could not get any defensive boards at all. So like, I really don't want to even think about uh, him playing back up center minutes, but it's probably going to happen too. So Ooh. the moral of the story hit the over guys. I agree. Yep, I'm down with that. Chicago Bulls. Last year, a twenty two and sixty win squad or sixty loss squad. Uh, they brought in Thomas Sadaransky, uh, brought in Thad Young, Luke Cornett, and Shaq Harrison re-signed Ryan Artie Drafted Kobe White.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know Ethan's happy about that. Uh, Daniel Gafford also got him in round two. Lost Wayne Selden. Uh, lost Robin Lopez and TLC. Over under now is 33 wins. Guys, that seems like a lot of wins. That's a jump. But this squad, the reason like they have players at other at at, at other spots. The the issue is we were relying on Chris Dunn as our point guard. And so man, if they can have some semblance of anything at the point guard position, Thomas Sederansky, like that 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 changes things for them perhaps, and so like being able to bring him in and also maybe a maybe a Kobe White maybe he can do something. Although I'm not going to be super reliant on a rookie point guard, um especially him, uh, since he kind of can play a little bit off that that's more of his his style. And I just I don't know I I would it's a lot of wins for Thomas Sedaransky.
2: I am kind of bullish on this team pun intended oh, boy. oh, oh boy that's why
1: you're snickering over there oh. I, but
2: but but it's all seriousness guys i really am kind of liking this team i like the three big rotation of lowry carter and thad that makes <sighs> me incredibly happy um that makes me incredibly sad
1: at- i just want you to know
2: i know because that's gone i'm sorry it's <sighs> not your fault it's not my fault let's move on Daniel Gafford, I like him a lot. As like a, a, a will big. You know, he's kind of in that Robert Williams. Like, he's not as lengthy and long as Mitchell Robinson, but he's very athletic. Like, he's an interesting prospect to put in there for some spot center minutes. Um, Otto Porter Jr., guys, still a really solid player. Always miscast if you ask him to create his own shot, but he is a solid defender. He's a good catch-and-shoot guy, and he can, you know – Kind of do similar things that I was talking about earlier with the Brogdon. If he's if someone's closing it out on him, he can get to a couple spots, v- valuable, not not like not nothing special, but valuable. And guys, Zach Levine was miscast last year as well. Like this guy was asked to play a lot of point guard, like because Chris Dunn couldn't handle anything. And while I love Zach Levine, and it is known that I am his biggest supporter, um, he he is a gunner, he is a shooter. That is it. He is really good at those two things, but he is not a facilitator. And I think that just the mere presence of a Kobe White who is going to, at least even when he struggles, he's going to dribble the ball up and pass the ball off. We're going to have Thomas Sodoransky playing in slow motion, getting the offense started. I like everything about that. Not to mention, like, certain lineups with this team are going to have a lot of shooting on them with between Levine, and Otto Porter Jr. That's three really solid to – Great shooters, and then Wendell Carter Jr. I would expect his shooting to come around. He shot well from the free throw line um, in college. I expect like that to continue in the NBA. And his three point percentage, you know, small sample sizes, it was was poor, but I expect that to get better too. Like we're really looking at this team with some building blocks in terms of the front court players, and now adding Kobe White. If he can take any kind of, if he plays exactly like he did in college he's gonna hit a wall but he's gonna like at least be better than Chris Dunn and like you said Richard that's important
0: yeah I'm yeah I'm, I'm not super high on Kobe White uh especially this year um but again having having uh Sadoransky there I think is going to be useful for the squad did they get all the way up I think 33 wins is a little bit um I don't know. I think it's a little bit rosy, but it could be done. It's it's just I wouldn't I would not feel comfortable um going over and, and I yeah, I just wouldn't feel safe with that.
2: My my last comment with this team and I'm not saying we you guys can't because I I don't think I can say anything about these guys yet, but like guys like Denzel Valentine and Chandler Hutchinson, guy picks that I were not proud of or happy about when they happened I think look a lot better now that there's a legitimate point guard on the team because those guys are just mainly for me catch and shoot guys and with Thomas Sadransky out there like that makes me happier about those players as long as you're not trying to pay him any money like those guys are just NBA guys who can catch and shoot in the corners
0: does Chandler Chandler Hutchison actually like make make you happy I I don't know like that was really rough
2: not actually, but like okay. he makes me happier than I was. Like, I, you, you guys don't understand how upset I was with the Bulls for targeting Denzel Valentine and Chandler Hutchinson in an NBA draft. These guys are old and they have no upside, but the things they can do, they can catch and shoot the basketball.
0: Okay. Well, all right. All right. Elkin, what are your thoughts on the squad as a whole? Honestly, the squad as
1: a whole. I think the same issues that you brought up backcourt is something that it really seemed, but man, I love that front court. I really do like that front court that they have. Like, That's the type of like three big rotation I wouldn't mind. It's almost like a three big rotation that Ethan's been trying to get Orlando to do, but it's like now it's in Chicago because you have Thaddeus Young in the role of Aaron Gordon, but for me, I'm just like, this could work. It's just can the point guard play? Will that prevent them from getting to the let's say that over under the thirty three win? Because that's what I keep going back to, looking at their point guard.
0: When I when you, when you mentioned Orlando, the three big rotation, I was like, man, they got a nine big rotation over there. It's not, it's not three. So like, <laughs> that's why we've been fighting but, but yes. for a three big
1: rotation. That's why we were yeah. fighting for it. That's fair.
2: I thought of one more fun thing. So something I something I want to see at some point this year. And I think it has a chance of happening, if oh not only because they're going to play the Philadelphia 76ers. This is the lineup I want to see sometime. Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markadin, Thad Young, Otto Porter Jr., and, and um, Zach Levine. Super big. I hope La- maybe Laurie develops as a playmaker so it actually can work. But like because of all that size over there in Philadelphia, oh I hope we see that lineup. You know, Thad goes with Simmons, Wendell Carter goes. Cries, but takes Joel Embiid. Lowry just falls around Tobias Harris as best he can because Tobias is not super dynamic with a ball in his hands. And I don't know, Adelpoir Jr., maybe he's the one who falls Tobias, but regardless, I want to see that lineup at some point. And Zach Levine will get torched, but it will be fun to see that much size out there. And shooting wise, they still have three plus great shooters, so maybe it could work.
0: You bring up a great point about. I guess we've not talked about the Sixers yet, but like the beauty of the Sixers' ultra big lineup is that we get to see everyone else's ultra big lineup, and whenever they play them, yeah, uh, Pacers, here we go, finally. <laughs> yeah, everyone like everyone who went and invested in in big men is just feeling great, like they're. I mean, Sacramento's super happy because you know of all the guys they have, and so is Orlando. Maybe this is why people everyone's so high on on Orlando this year. I don't know.
2: But the Sixers can beat everyone's like, and, and not oh, just yes. in
0: terms, not just in terms
2: of like best big guys, but they can beat you in terms. We can just throw more big guys out there because we can. They could play Simmons, Mike Scott, <laughs> Tobias Harris, Horford, and Embiid. And Mike Scott basically is just a standstill shooting guard at that point. Like defensively, there's always problems, but like, like theoretically, you could just have three or five behemoth human beings out there, six, seven and dollar for no reps for absolutely no reason. And you'd still have enough shooting between Harris, Scott and Horford. Like, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. You just wouldn't be able to, if they had any sort of dynamic guard, you just, you I mean, I don't know.
2: Well, Simmons, Simmons,
0: Simmons, yeah. Simmons tries that one out and you have a
2: lot of people at the rim to help. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Man. Ah, uh, we'll talk about the Sixers another time. Another
2: oh, another time. I, I love the bigs coming back. Theoretically.
0: The Cleveland Cavaliers oh, yes. won a whopping nineteen games last year, and signed Jarrell Martin. Good signing. <sighs> signed him. All right. They him. also right. Uh, they re-signed nobody, so that that was it. That was their addition. Other than the draft, they did draft a lot of people. So let's talk about it. they drafted uh, Darius Garland, who is supposed to fit next to, um, you know, fit, fit in with their. With their guard rotation, and I mean, I don't love it. I I mean, I I love I love I like Garrett fine. I just I'm not quite sure how the fit is gonna happen, especially because now you're at that crowded with Kevin Porter Jr. He drafted him at the end of the first round. My favorite pick by them, Dylan Windler. That's my guy. Let's that's, go. That's my guy. I I, I can't tell you like back when the Pistons had that Bucks pick, and I was just hoping. I was watching him fall. I was like, man, please. Please, you were ready. I was so, you were ready. I was so ready. And then they took him. and I was so sad. Um, but it's okay. Um, he he uh, lit it up in a few games over in, in, in summer ball. Lost Alec Burks. Liked him. Uh, he should do quite well. He he's he now is on the Warriors. So I think he'll be a good fit over there. Uh, Channing Fry, um, and Marquis Chris, who are no longer there. Over under twenty four and a half wins, guys. Twenty-four and a half, really.
2: Uh, that's gonna be a tough one to get to, in my opinion. They um they don't have anyone that's actually good. They have a lot of fun. Kevin guys, Love. But, oh, yes, yeah, try. Right. I mean, Kevin Love is good.
1: We forget about him here and there.
2: Here's the thing. I I wanted to get in there and say I was. I predicted that the Blazers would draft Dylan Windler in in. He, the, I think, I really think the only reason they passed on him is because Nasir Little fell all the way there, mm-hmm. and like yeah. the 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 upside potential of that guy like was too uh, appealing to pass on. Like I was going around everyone I saw that knows I'm an NBA guy, they were all asking, "Hey, who are the Blazers gonna take?" And I was like, Dylan Windler. The White Out of Belmont, and everyone's like, "Oh, I like the sound of that," and, <laughs> <laughs> and and then it was like one pick away, and so I had to go back to oh. all those people. I told the told what I thought was the truth, and then I uh, had to had to let them know that. man, sorry, it didn't happen.
0: Yeah. Oh boy. Well, it's just like with the way that this squad is made. So I I like some of the young guys that they have. Like I. I think that with, you know, new head coach, right. It's, uh, you know, my, my guy from Michigan, I think that it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they, how they fit together. The Colin Sexton backcourt with Darius Garland is going to be interesting. You know, they want it to be kind of like out in Portland with, with, uh, Dame and CJ. These guys are both smaller. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, just the way the things that they're going to be trying to do and thinking about, they're going to get all their young guys more run. Like, I mean, Kevin Love still might be on the squad, but like, I don't think that they're wanting Kevin Love to be carrying them to many wins. This is a team that I think is going to embrace the tank, and uh, do and this. They have the they have a great roster to do it. Just throw out all the young guys. The young guys are going to make mistakes. They're going to be fun. And so people will come to the arena, but overall, you're going to lose games, and you'll be able to get a high high pick in this next year's draft. And so, like, I just think if you're them, embrace the tank, do it that way, and you don't, you don't sniff the low 24-and-a-half wins.
2: Yep, yep. Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this team in terms of, I think they will actually be at least fun to watch this year. Yes. Like, yes. which is a big upgrade. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., a guy I was, you know, talking myself into at, um, at the Heat's 14 overall pick. Um, I'm still not like convinced that I wouldn't still feel good about it if he would have went there. Like I, you know, I just haven't seen enough of him since he got drafted. Um, but honestly, like I, this team just has a lot of players that I'm interested to see and how they progress. Not to mention CD Osmond, who, um, is um, you know been playing over there and almost led Turkey to a to a win against the United States in the FIBA um, tournament. So I don't know. This this team's got some interesting players that could be on the move come trade season. And you know Kevin Love number one in yeah. that regard. Maybe I maybe he gets traded to the Heat and the Heat you know get a little bit better. Could could make some sense. Could make some sense. But also you know more or less this team's just gonna be a it's gonna be a tankathon again. And we'll see how they um. See what young players are worth building around going forward. I think it's really interesting to see if Garland's the guy or if Sexton's the guy. I guess Sexton, keep in mind, guys, y'all said he couldn't shoot, and he thought th- shot 38% from three last year, so just want to remind you of that. And um, we'll see if him and Garland can uh, find some magic.
0: It's going to be great when Jordan Clarkson's getting minutes or both those guys. That's going to kill oh, everything I believe uh, in. There we go. <laughs> when Jordan Clarkson and Brandon Knight are getting run because they want to they wanna trade them at the deadline and, and, and you're just not happy uh, with, with everything. Matthew Della Vadova's on the squad too. so yeah. He yeah, expires,
2: get- so he's going to be on the move somewhere. Yeah,
0: they have they have far too many point guards on this on this team. Far too many. I can't, but that just means Dylan Windler going to get all the run, and I'm I'm here for it.
2: Well, and the funniest thing about their point guards is none of them are like anything that you would say is a actual point guard. Like, like it's just funny to see how that position's changed so much. Like with the with the arrival of a Russell Westbrook, an arrival of Damian Lillard, Stephen Curry, obviously as well. Like all these guys are so, somewhat in that mold. Aside from a Matthew Dellavedova, like Clark, Clarkson's just a scorer. I mean, no, none of them are good. Uh, but Brandon Knight was a scorer. Colin Sexton's a scorer. Darius Garland projects to be a scorer. None of these guys are like at those types of levels. But it's funny to see how those players have changed the the prospects that have coming into this league.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm here for the uh, Dylan Windler Rookie of the Year campaign.
2: Well, uh, I think you got to be on a team that's at least a little bit decent, or you got to put up a lot of counting stats. And I I just don't think
0: um for the head, stats. Head down,
2: head down. Sexton's going to be kicking out all that much. It may be fair, might, might might be true, but. You know, head or head down Clarkson. Maybe he's not going to kick it out.
0: What, <laughs> oh, this, this what about
2: head fair. down Darius Garland? I mean, like I, I that, that that that's not fair. I've seen him play. I've seen him play portions of four games and portions of
0: four games. Yep. <laughs> oh goodness, who 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 even knows? But uh, guys, I'm excited, I'm excited, for, excited for this division in particular. Yes, I think that we get three playoff teams. We hope we can only hope so sad sad when it's actually the bulls and the pistons go down with with the blake blake griffin injury early on it's rough anyways guys i think that's it